Welcome to Sisterhood and to everyone at our other campuses. Um, we are so excited about spring in Minnesota, and so we are entering into several standalone messages that are just going to equip us and send us out into our late spring and summer. So today, it's lesson one, to know him more. And I think that's the heart of most of us, or hopefully all of us, to know him, to know Jesus more. So I have the privilege to be a coach on Wednesday nights for Sisterhood. And so I get to rotate between about four tables. And so I get to have awesome discussion and conversation with many ladies at those tables. And so I've noticed a theme in some of the questions over the last couple of semesters. Um, we're talking just about journeying with Jesus and getting to know him. And these ladies are asking, how do I know God more? No matter where we're at, we should be leaning into that. How do I know God more? How do I get to know him? How do I get closer to God? We say that a lot, right? So we're actually going to look at that today. Um, some people call daily time with God devotions. Some people call it their quiet time. Some people call it having devotions. Um, and that can be different for everybody. We call it different things. But ultimately, the goal of that set-aside time for all of us is that we just become better and more intimately acquainted with God, with Jesus. And so the word intimacy has some real quick kind of cultural connotations that maybe we pull up in our mind, but I want to define intimacy for us in this context, intimacy with God, intimacy in our relationship with Jesus. So intimacy in this context is a close familiarity, a closeness, a friendship, a private or a cozy feel, um, affection, attachment, or even confidence in. So if we apply all of those definitions and use them interchangeably with intimacy with Jesus, that helps me to kind of put that in context. So that is the goal. Intimacy with the Lord develops over time, over repeated time as we intentionally connect with him. Not just being in proximity to him, but intentionally connecting with him. That's how intimacy develops. In John 10, 27, Jesus actually said, uh, comparing himself to a shepherd and us uh, as his sheep, he says, my sheep recognize my voice. I know them and they follow me. So just like children know their parents' voice, we as sheep or we as children of God get to know his voice as we spend time with him. Um, did anybody else's parents, when you were a kid, did anybody else's parents like call for you, holler for you from like the back porch or the front porch? Anybody in our neighborhood growing up? We grew up in a small town and tons of kids in our neighborhood and we'd be down the block and had an alley behind our house and all over the place. My dad actually had a whistle and we, for sure, in all of the noise, we for sure knew what our dad's whistle sounded like, and we responded because we knew that there was a meaning to that. So knowing someone's voice, recognizing how someone is trying to get your attention, that comes by getting familiar with them, spending time with them. The reason that kids know their parents' voice is because there's hundreds and thousands of hours of hearing that voice in their head, right? So they recognize that voice. This for us happens with God over daily time together. Also, like kids, 
I have four kids, so I'm just going to compare things to them, and you're going to just have to stick with me. Um, Once we hear God's voice, just like kids, they have a choice. They can hear the voice, but they have a choice if they're going to respond and listen to the voice, right? Hearing and listening are two different things. So the closeness that we want with God comes when we not just recognize and hear his voice, but when we respond and listen to his voice. That's when that closeness starts to happen. So we were created to be in relationship with him. We were created to have an interactive relationship with God. And I think, especially as women, a lot of our desire to engage with someone is rooted in acceptance. Do they want to talk to us? Are we welcome somewhere? Are people going to respond? Are we going to be left vulnerable? A lot of our desire and our engagement in relationships, for us, I think as women, maybe some of us, for me, I know sometimes, is rooted in, do they really want to hear what I have to say? And so we need to understand, and I think some of us maybe just need to settle this once and for all in our hearts, that God wants to talk to you. God wants to talk with you. God wants to hear what you have to say. God wants to spend time with you. He hears us, he loves us, and he wants to lean in to that time together. So my daughter's four, Jovi girl, and she talks all the time all the time, every day, all day. And um, I love her little voice. I love talking to her. She's a riot. But it's easy for me to tune it out a little bit because when voices are real familiar, kind of we tend to tune them out if we're not careful. But Jovi's daddy, because Jovi is daddy's baby girl, and when daddy comes home from work, he is a good daddy, and he puts his stuff down, and he gets right down on her level, and she's already been talking to him since before he came in the door. And so he gets on her level, and he looks at her little face, and he listens intently to everything that her little self wants to tell him, and she catches him all up on her day, and he listens to all of it, even while the brothers are like dive-bombing him, and he makes time to hear what she has to say. He like gets on her level, and she knows that he loves her, and she knows that he does want to hear what she has to say, and that he's going to tell her stuff about his day too. And so I think it's cool that even at four, when Jovi's just starting to put together these similarities between her earthly daddy and how God, we call him a father, so she's kind of putting that together. I think it's so cool that knowing her dad wants to hear her voice is going to inform how she approaches communication with God. And she's already getting it because how she prays says, I'm familiar with who I'm talking to. I know he hears me, and I'm confident in this conversation. So that is a really neat thing to observe. So we know God wants to spend time with us. We know that we need to spend time with him. We need that time. We need to grow closer and more like Jesus, so we only do that with time with him. But what does that look like? How does that happen? What do we actually do? Because it sounds wonderful, but how do we get there? And so I'm all about practical steps, and so I'm going to give you four keys to spending time with God daily, just four keys to know him more, okay? So number one, don't laugh. Get somewhere quiet. If you're like me and you're in my season of life, you may be thinking, you're crazy because there's not quiet in my life. Uh, But truly, 
Jesus actually said this, so this is not my original idea. Jesus said we need to get somewhere quiet, and he has reasons for that. Um, in Matthew 6, 6, it says, but when you pray, Jesus actually saying this, but when you pray, go away by yourself, shut the door behind you, and pray to your Father in heaven, and your Father who sees everything will reward you. Brody, my oldest, we were in a new restaurant the other day, and there were no TVs in this restaurant. And Brody said, Mom, they, that's a really good idea. They didn't put any TVs in here. I said, oh, I love you. Yes, that is such a good idea. So proud of him for noticing that. And he said, Mom, because people actually are going to talk to each other because there's no TVs in here. I said, you are absolutely correct, my son. That is correct. And then I won't name the other restaurant, but he said, but mom, not like this other restaurant that shall remain nameless where they have TVs on every single wall because you can't even hear each other if you wanted to talk in there. And I thought, that's a pretty good observation for an eight-year-old. They're going to actually talk to each other because there's no TVs vying for people's attention in here. So way to go to this new restaurant we were at. But that's true. We need to get somewhere quiet. And quiet... Quiet for our spirit and our heart doesn't necessarily mean physically silent for hours on end, because I know we all live in a real world, okay? But we need to quiet ourselves. We need to get in a set-apart place. Um, and Jesus, when his disciples are wanting to know, what do we pray, what do we say, what's, what's the secret formula, Jesus starts by telling them where to pray, telling them about the environment in which they need to pray. So that's significant. And he has several reasons for this. A lot of us struggle with feeling, maybe you don't, but I have, and I know a lot of people do, many of us struggle with feeling maybe disconnected from God at times. It feels like God is, is distant, like maybe he's left or we've gone far away. Um, and the truth is, that that's not true. The truth is, he's always near. He's always present. He never leaves you. His word says he never forsakes you. He has not turned away from you. There's no actual distance, but it could be that you're feeling that disconnect because there's noise, whether it's actual noise or just noise in your mind, noise, and it's too loud in your life, in your heart, for you to be hearing him as he wants to connect with you. I know that I... That is the case in my life sometimes. Another reason is that he wants constant, uninterrupted fellowship with us. And that actually is possible because we can go throughout our days being connected with him in prayer and carrying his presence and him being with us. That can be constant. So that's why he tells us, quiet yourself, get in a quieter place so you can learn to recognize my voice and learn how to stay in this constant communication with me. We need him every single day. And I would say we need him all day, every single day. Um, it doesn't have to be a real interrupted thing. He also wants us to have a firm foundation. And we build this foundation. It's not just automatically there. We have everything we need to build this foundation in his word and with time with him. But it comes from daily building, daily working on this foundation. Matthew 7, 24 to 27 says, anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds their house on the rock. The rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, but it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. So the circumstances won't take it out because the foundation is secure. 
Anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds their house on the sand. And the rains and floods come, and the wind beats against that house, and it will collapse with a mighty crash. So nothing that we build on a weak foundation, our life that we strive so hard to build on anything other than knowing the Lord, that's not going to last. So we want to be building a proper foundation, and he's designed that to happen with daily time. So you are building your house upon the rock, which is Jesus. Now, Jesus is the living word. And Pastor Bill Johnson said, the written word is meant to lead you to an encounter with the living word. So the word of God is meant to point us, of course, to Jesus, who's the living word, and he's the one that we're wanting to know more. Jesus, actually, he's the living word, but he set an example for us of spending time with his Father, with Father God, daily. He prioritized it. Even he set this example. Mark 1.35 tells us, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out, Jesus went out, and departed to a solitary place. And there he prayed. He was surrounded with people. He didn't have kids, but he was surrounded by a lot of people, disciples, followers, onlookers, crowds, but he went to a solitary place and he prioritized prayer and time with God. It's in that quiet place that we learn to listen for and then listen to God's voice. So number two, listen to his voice. Prayer is talking with God as much as it is talking to God. So prayer is meant to be an actual, interactive, real conversation. God wants a real relationship with us. You can have a two-way conversation with God. That really is possible. And it's what we were made for. Bob Sorge said, things don't change when I talk to God. Things change when God talks to me. When I talk, nothing happens. When God talks, the universe comes into existence. So he loves to hear from us. He delights in hearing what we want to tell him but we still need to be mindful that this isn't like an equal thing. He loves us passionately. He wants to hear us, just like Jovi and her daddy. But if daddy has something to say, you need to listen to what daddy has to say. And she will be quiet for that. So when we come to God, he wants to hear what we have to say, but we also need to come humbly and understand that his voice is the most important voice in that conversation. We're so grateful for a loving father, but we need to come humbly and listen for his voice because what he has to say actually matters. He's the one with the solutions. He's the one with the plan. He's the one with the peace. He's the one with our answers, right? So we need to be listening for his voice as a listener. Psalm 95, seven says, if only you would listen to his voice today, what might happen? So number three, read the Bible. Another way, I would say a primary way that we hear God's voice when we're spending time with him is through reading his word to us. And it's not just words on a page, right? Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is alive, it is powerful, it's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. It cuts between soul and spirit, between joints and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. So when we're looking to become more like Jesus, when we want to grow, when we want to see what actually needs to change, and when we want to start mirroring Jesus, 
We need to get his word into our hearts, into our minds, because that is what is going to divide out things for us to see in our lives. That's going to give us the perspective we need to make the changes. And it's going to show us the true character of God. It's going to let us know him more so we can trust him more. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is inspired by God, and it is useful to teach us what's true and to help us realize what's wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong, and it teaches us to do what is right. So it's not just words on a page. It's God-inspired words that were written, but the context is ongoing. It's applicable to our lives today, not just present day in general, your day, my day, every single day, the word of God is applicable because it's living and active. The Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit who lives in us when we choose Jesus, that same Holy Spirit actually inspired these people to write the word of God in the first place. And that same Holy Spirit is the one that when we ask him to, he's the one that enlightens our minds, that opens up our minds to God's truth. So the same Holy Spirit that inspired the writers inspires us to be able to understand those words. And that is so powerful. There's not a chance that when we invite God into our time in his word, that the Holy Spirit is going to leave us blinded and confused and overwhelmed. And we're going to talk about some practical things to face some of those challenges in just a minute. But the Holy Spirit, you can be confident that when you ask him to open up your heart and your mind to God's word, he is faithful to do that. You can also pray the word of God. And Psalm 19, for example, ends in a super helpful prayer. So approach God's word knowing that you can actually pray that over your life. It says, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I pray that one often. Um, and I want to give us an encouragement, a warning. Um, there are a lot of wonderful resources that are connected to the Word of God. We have access, and we should be so thankful, we have access to a lot of books, a lot of great podcasts, a lot of commentaries written by human beings, and they may be in the Word of God, but as we take in those things, we're getting God's word through a third party. And you remember when we talked in, on Easter weekend that when Jesus died and he overcame death, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That was a huge deal. So it took away the barrier for us to go to God directly. So now, because of Jesus, we can communicate with God directly in his presence and through his word, through Jesus, the living word. So we need to keep that in mind when we are approaching our time with God. Don't let a good resource become a replacement for the actual word of God in your life. Don't turn to good tools. Things are good supplements but they should never be a replacement for God's word in your life. And I think that's a pitfall that we're seeing because we have such an abundance of information and resources and books and anything you want. You can get little clips all day long, even on social media, of someone talking about the word of God, of someone telling you about their experience with the presence of God. But that is not having an actual dialogue with God through his word, okay? So I just want to caution us. I want to encourage us. You're going to be blown away at what the Holy Spirit will show you when you are actually opening his word on a daily basis 
And that looks different for everyone, but make sure that you're not replacing that. It's not just about worship music. It's not just about the setting. It's not just about um, talking about his word. It's actually opening it, okay? So at River Valley, you might be aware that we do SOAP. Scripture, observation, application, and prayer. That's what SOAP stands for. We have bookmarks that tell us each day of the month what we're reading together. It's a couple of chapters. So we read the scripture. We observe what what might be going on in the scripture, what God might be telling us. Then we apply it to our lives. And then we pray. And so I would suggest, too, that you hop on board with that if you haven't, and that you actually start journaling. If you don't journal, don't think, okay, I have to spend an hour, and I have to write a chapter, and I have to do all of this. Journaling can be as simple as writing some things down, a couple of notes, but it helps you to track and remember and to recognize God's blessing in your life, God's speaking to you. God has spoken to me on several occasions, and I've known it in the moment. And then in his grace, he brings it back to memory because I didn't actually stop and take the time to record it. So wherever that looks like for you, if you need to do it on your phone, I don't think that that's like should be your primary way necessarily. But if you need to just jot something down, if God downloads something to you, or if God brings a scripture to mind, or when you're reading, or when you're praying, journal. Keep track of it. Prayers, blessings, answers to prayer. And then look and see and celebrate how far you and Jesus have come together. So another Bill Johnson quote is this, guys. As we are consuming God's word, as we are taking it in, Milk is what you get from someone else. Meat is what you get when you hunt. I love that, and I think we could do a whole series on just that statement as it applies to the Word of God. But milk is what you get from someone else, and meat is what you get when you hunt. And I grew up in a place where hunting was a thing. A huge thing. I grew up in the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Regardless of how you feel about hunting, just go here with me. It's going to make sense. Um, there are two types of hunters in an area or a culture where hunting is actually a big deal. There are those hunters who take hunting seriously and practice it like it was in olden times, and, and there's no bait pile there's no sitting back and waiting in a blind. Like They actually take it seriously, and they go after it. They know how to find what they're looking for, and they know how to go after it. And they track, and they wait, and they, they travel, and they put a lot of time and energy into hunting. And then there's people who um, kind of just do it for the sport. They kind of use the bait piles. They kind of get comfy. Maybe they have a heated uh, blind that they sit in. I won't tell you which kind of hunter my husband is, but um, there's a lot that you can do to make yourself real comfortable. Um, But here's the thing, and here's why I'm telling you this. There are two motivations, really, for hunting. There's hobby hunting, and there's hunger-motivated hunting. So hobby is entertaining. It's optional. You can take it or leave it. It really makes no difference to you and your family at the end of the day. It's an activity. It's something that's an add-on. Hunger-motivated hunting means that if you don't hunt, you don't eat. And if you don't eat, you don't survive. So I want us to look at approaching our time with God as hunting. I think we can do this. We're hardy Minnesota women. I think we can do this. I think we can go hunting. I think we can look at our time with God, especially digging into his word, 
taking his promises for ourselves, finding out what he has to say about the things we're facing, and spending time with him, listening. I think we can approach that like a hunt, and our hunt needs to be hunger-motivated because spiritually, if we don't hunt, even though it's available and it can be found, God says, you need to go after this. I'm offering this to you, but it's yours for the taking. After a certain point, as we grow and mature, we're not being spoon-fed anymore. Nobody's going to cut up your food for you. We're so blessed to have church, to have sisterhood, to have life groups, to have podcasts and all these things. And that's kind of like the getting fed. That's kind of like the prepackaged meal, right? It's available to us. But let's be women who approach our relationship with God and our hunger for his word with some aggressiveness knowing that it's what we need, knowing that it's going to sustain us, and knowing that we're not going to even be a fraction of the person with the power he's created for us if we don't start eating that spiritual meat, okay? Malnourishment is a real thing, and children who are malnourished and then children who get fed and are healthy, the same child will look like a different person entirely when they're nourished. We will look like different women and think like different women entirely when we're well-nourished on the Word of God. So don't let the food you're fed once a week or twice a week be the only time that you eat, okay? Also, I want to give you this. I want to speak to insecurities in comparison. Your time with God does not need to look exactly like everybody else's. Your time with God is not less spiritual if you need to tweak it to fit your learning style, to fit your experience level, to fit your season of life. I have a friend, and she's a single mom. She's amazing. She loves the Lord. She's hungry for God. And she was reading God's word, but she was frustrated. We're at an alpha table together. And she said, you know what? I'm kind of giving up because I'm frustrated and I don't know what the deal is. I'm just not understanding this. And I said, you know, you can get another translation. Like you're not quitting if you just look and find something that works better for you. And I said, try this translation. It has like some built-in help, some commentaries, some devotional type reading in there. See if that works. See if that makes more sense. She ordered this Bible and she texted me like late at night and she said, this is a game changer. I'm getting it. And she was so excited. And it's not that I gave her some great recommendation. It's just that it's not less spiritual to say, okay, I'm not getting it. I need to try something different. Okay, You may not be spending an hour and a half every morning in your season of life. That would be awesome, and maybe someday you will in your next season. But just be daily with it. Be consistent with it. Be resolute that I am going to spend this time, and I'm going to listen. Okay. So number four is meditation. Not like Eastern meditation. Not like emptying of the mind. But biblical meditation like filling your mind with truth. And some of you may be thinking, I don't have the, the attention span for that in my life. Have you ever had a bad thing happen and you just kind of camped on that all day long, every day, and you recited it over and over in your mind, this bad thing, and you thought about it and you chewed on it and you chewed on it? Yes, anybody? Me, I am raising my hand. Yes? Okay, you do know how to meditate because that is meditating. You're just meditating on the wrong thing. So what if we started obsessing 
the word of God, over the word of God? What if we started obsessing over the truth that's blowing our mind from God's word? What if we started thinking about that, really thinking about that? You know how cows chew their cud? Yes. So they eat, and then they kind of bring it back and just get all the goodness, all the goodness out of it. What if we just make it a point to get all the goodness we can out of God's word to us? What if we kept thinking about it a little bit longer and he actually was going to show us something mind-blowing about what we read? We can do that. So biblical meditation is taking what God said and pondering it in your heart. Joshua 1.8, even in the Old Testament, it says, study this book of instruction. That's scripture, the word of God. Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. And we want to succeed, not at meaningless things, but we want to succeed in the most important parts of our existence, right? To know God and to make him known. We want to know him more. And if we succeed at that, it changes everything else, right, in our lives. So I want to have success in knowing him more. I want to get hungry. I want to go hunting in his word. I want to spend time with him. And it says that when we do that, that we will succeed. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for this word. Thank you that you would want to spend time with us. Even in all of our imperfection, and so often, Lord, I just feel like a hot mess when I come to you, but I thank you that you love me and you want to spend time with me because you know that it will change me. And I thank you, God, that you are opening up the hearts and the minds of every woman in this place, that you're going to speak to her about her time daily with you, how she can know you more. And I pray that you would be present in all of these discussions, that we would leave changed and inspired and encouraged. In Jesus' name, amen.